0: If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2, I want to take up this morning where Bruce left off last week in Philippians chapter 2, and uh, I'll begin in verse number 12. So if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back of the seat in front of you, Um, Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, these verses talking about God working in us and we working out our salvation. When I was growing up, people would say, Jesus changed my life. And sometimes that's confusing. Well, what did he do? Did he zap you, you know? Um, This is what it's talking about, working out your salvation, growing in grace to be like Christ as God works in you. It's a combination of God working in you and you working out what God works in you. God has a part and you have a part in your growing in grace. Now, if you would, or if you would like to, in your Bible, underline or circle a couple of words in verse number 12. Those two words are work out. Work out your own salvation. Working out is your part. In verse 13, circle a couple of words. For it is God who works in you. This is God's part. Circle, work in. It's God that's working in you. You work out what God is working in. Now, please get this if you don't get anything else. This is not talking about working for your salvation. Salvation comes as a gift of God. Salvation is the grace of God. Uh, Keep your place there in Philippians, but flip over about three or four pages to the left in your Bible to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and look with me in verse 8, 9, 10. Philippians 2 and verse number 8. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So God is saying here, you didn't save yourself. You can't work to get your salvation. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven on your own. God gives you salvation. And then you are to work out that salvation in your daily life to become more like Christ as God works in you. You develop what God gives in you. It's kind of like going to the gym or to a fitness center. I've never been to either one of those, but (laughs) I hear. And you you don't go to the fitness center to get a body. You go to work out to develop your body. So work out your salvation if you're saved. If you're not saved, you need Christ in your life in order to work out what he puts in your heart. So, it's like a farmer. I used to live on a farm. We, we had uh, like 300 acres. We, we, would, uh, we didn't have to work to get that farm where it had the farm. We worked the farm to cultivate it and to plant and then to hoe and get the weeds out. And, and then God produced the crop. Uh, we worked out our land. And we had a harvest as a result. So you're, it's talking about your individual assignment, uh, accepting your personal responsibility for your spiritual growth. Uh, not somebody else. You're not supposed to work out their salvation but working out your salvation. You're a part of God's family. Learn to live like his child. Uh, God doesn't want you to miss out on the blessings in this life that he has for you and the purpose that God has for you to fulfill in his eternal purpose. We need to work out our salvation. In the book of Philippians chapter 13, for it is God who works in you. Circle that word, works. It is God who works in you. As you know, the Bible was originally written in Greek. And the Greek word for the English translation, works the Greek word means energizer. Or in other words, God is the energizer for change in your life, for you're growing to be like Christ. And so he will give you the desire and the power to change to be what God wants you to be. Look back there in Philippians chapter 2. And verse uh, number 13, for it is God who works in you both to will or give you the desire and to work what is good, his good pleasure or to give you the power to do his will, to fulfill his purpose for your life to change. Now, here's something that amazes me. The next verse, verse 14. Now, if I were writing the Bible, which I didn't have any part of, I'm just trying to live it, but uh, in God writing the Bible, when he tells us about we have to work out our salvation and God will be working in our heart to help us, the amazing thing is where he starts with the first thing that we need to start working on. In working out our salvation. Now, if I've been writing it, I would have said, uh, "You know, uh, you got to quit murder. <laughs> Don't do that." Or I would might have said, "You got to stop lying, uh, or stealing, or, or hurting people, or whatever." But God didn't start there. The very first example He gives of working out our salvation in verse number 14. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Now look the, the, uh, this part of the verse up in other translations. In the King James says, it says, do all things without murmuring or disputing. In the NIV, it translates it, do all things without complaining or arguing. So God is saying here, as you start working out, Start with, quit complaining. Hello. Why did he start with that? Well, it's because it comes natural. It's natural for me to complain. See, I was born with a sinful nature, and I still have it. Even though I've been born again of the Spirit of God, and and I'm a child of God because Christ lives in my heart, I still have that old sinful nature. And it's still trying to get me to do the wrong thing. And it's just as natural as it can be for me to complain. I shouldn't, but it's a bad habit that just comes natural. Uh, We're conditioned in our society to complain. Bad news makes headlines. Uh, we're bombarded all the time with all the bad things in our, our society, in our world. It just comes natural to develop a habit of complaining. This week, <clears throat> I was talking to Gregory, and uh, I asked him a question, uh, what about, uh, we're going to do this particular thing, and how we're going to do it, and he told me, and I said, oh, man, man. I don't want to do it this way. And I explained to him what I wanted. And uh, he just looked at me like, well, it's not your call. <laughs> and uh, so I just left. I didn't even get out of the room until the Spirit of God convicted me. And God is saying something like this. You've been studying all week about not complaining. <laughs> And you're going to tell all those folks at church to quit it. And here you are complaining. And I just stopped in the next room and I said, You're right, Lord. I turned around and with a sad look on my face, I said, Gregory, I got to apologize. I just did something that's wrong. I have been studying all week about preaching, about not complaining. And I came in here, and I was complaining to you. And Gregory's sitting there not saying anything, but just looking, shaking <laughs> his head, yes. <laughs> yes, you're guilty. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes. But, but the point is, it comes natural. There are many people in the Bible that God tells us about who were godly people, good people, greater people than I will ever even come close to be, uh, that had a problem with complaining. And, and I'm saying, if you've got a problem, you're not the only one. I am some of the greatest great... David was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. And yet we find in the Bible about David complaining. In the book of Psalms, chapter 73, David is talking about all of these terrible, sinful, uh, ungodly people doing things wrong, and yet they were getting rich. And in Psalms 73 and verse 12, he says this, Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, They increase in riches. And in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Here are these wicked people doing all these terrible things and they've got it easy. And David said, I'm struggling every day and it's not fair. But he doesn't close out the chapter that way. Down in verse 17, he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, I discerned therein. You make them fall to ruin. Or David says, Oh, yeah, it won't always be this way. Someday I'm going to be in heaven with, 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 with blessings from God that are unimaginably great and these guys are not only going to have God's going to see they have problems and trouble in their life but they'll wind up in hell so David he says yes I see Uh, God um, when I'm complaining and whining and saying life is not fair I don't deserve this everybody else gets the good breaks and I get all the bad Jesus talks about this in the New Testament. And uh, he gives a parable in Matthew chapter 20 about a, a large, rich landowner that was about to harvest his crops. And he needed a lot of day workers. And so he went to the marketplace and he, uh, there were some people that were looking for work and uh, he hired them. He made a deal with them. I'll give you a denarius. That was the Roman coin uh, for a day's work. And um, uh, they agreed that that's fair. And so they went to work for this this large, rich uh, landowner. And they're out there harvesting the crop. And so this same guy goes back to town later, and he finds some people looking for work, and so he hires them, puts them to work, and then... Later in the evening when there's only an hour left to work, he finds some more guys that hadn't found a job that day and he puts them to work. So the day's work is over and he calls everybody in and he gives everybody a denarius. Well, the guys that have been working all day long see that the guys that just worked an hour get the same pay as they do and notice what they say in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 11 and 12 on the screen. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Boy, were they mad. They said, this is not fair. You can't do this, and the landowner goes on to say, didn't I make a deal with you to work all day for a Daenerys? Well, yeah. Didn't you say that was fair? Well, yeah. Well, don't I have the right to do whatever I want to with my own money? We didn't have anything to say about that. Just go, he goes on. Saying, Just because I was giving somebody else a break doesn't mean that I've wronged you. God is teaching us through this that life is not fair. God never said that life was fair. God's going to settle the score when we get to heaven or to hell. Complaining in this life never changes anything it just makes you more miserable and makes everybody around you miserable it never changes anything to say life is not fair moses was one of the greatest men of god in in, uh, the bible a godly man, outstanding leader, led Israel out of bondage in Egypt into uh, the desert and then uh, was going to lead them into the promised land. They were leaving Egypt after God had delivered them from their slavery. They got to the Red Sea. Pharaoh had gathered his armies and they were coming to get them. Maybe kill them all. I don't know. But they thought that that's what's going to happen to them. So they began to whine and cry and say, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us and you brought us out here to kill all our children. Moses said, God, help me here. God opens up the Red Sea and they all go through on dry ground. Well, they go a little further into this vast desert wilderness uh, between Egypt and Israel. And they run out of food. And they come crying to Moses, it's not fair, it's not right, you're not doing this, you're going to starve us all to death. And Moses prays, God, I don't know what to do for these people. And God starts raining down manna from heaven every day, he gives them food food to eat. They go a little further and they run out of water and they go, oh, I'm starving to death. by thirst. You're going to kill us and you're going to kill our children. And Moses says, God, what am I going to do with these people? They're about to stone me to death. God says, go to this rock here just outside the camp and strike that rock and a river of water will flow from that rock and give you water. And the Bible says that rock followed them 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness and gave them refreshing water. And by the way, that, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that that rock is a picture of Christ. He was smitten, judged, and punished for our sins so that a righteous God could forgive us he paid for our sins, suffered and died. He's the one that could give us that water of life, that bread from heaven. Well, anyway, back to the story. There came a well, we're going to all die here. And Moses said, Lord, I've had it. <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't handle this any longer. You're not being fair to me. Um, In the book of Numbers, chapter 11 and verse 14 and 15, Moses says to God, I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me. Kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight. Or if you care anything about me, just kill me. Ever done that? Ever prayed to God, it's not fair, I can't handle this anymore, just kill me. I'd be better off. Get this over with. Moses was a great man of God. But what I'm saying is, even Moses complained. I, I, could, I could tell you, I, I'm not going to, but about Solomon. Uh, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, the richest man alive on the earth, and he did a lot of spectacular things. You can't believe all the things he built, but he came down to the end of his life and he said, I am so discouraged because I've worked so hard, and who knows all the- who's going to get all of this that I worked for? And he said, Life is vanity, it's empty. I've worked all my life for all of this, for nothing. And then there's the perfectionist that criticizes everybody. You ever been around them? Maybe your boss, maybe your spouse, maybe your kids. (laughs) And, And they find fault with everything you say and everything that you do, and you can't do anything right. And you just say, I can't take it anymore. Nothing will kill the, the, the warmth and the happiness in a home uh, faster than complaining and finding fault. It discourages everybody. Uh, and by the way, kids can p- complain. Teenagers can p- complain as well. It's not just our adults. It's natural. It's just as natural as breathing to complain. So... How do we conquer complaining? How do we quit it? There in our text that we're, we're talking about here in Philippians uh, chapter uh, number two and verse 14. Do all things without murmuring or complaining, without grumbling and questioning, without disputing and arguing. Uh, do all things without complaining. God says quit it but how do we do it uh if you would look at a video a short one i want you to see something
1: well tell me tell me about the problem that you wish to address oh okay uh well i have this fear of being buried alive in a box I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. <laughs> so what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're there. Stop it! I'm sorry. Stop it. Stop it. Yes. S T O P. New word. I T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it. But I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no, no. We, no, we, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop it. <laughs> So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Uh, actually, I only have a five, so Well, I, I, don't, I don't make change.)
0: So God is saying, quit complaining. Stop it. But how do we do that? Well, the first thing we've got to do as it, as admit that we do it. Own it. Admit you have a problem. Not other people. Admit that I have a problem. You have a problem. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 said, whoever conceals his transgression, will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. If we'll admit that we've got a problem with complaining, then God will give us grace and help us to overcome it. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter number number 7, God talks about one type of complaining, and that's judging others. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you use or why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? But you don't notice the log in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly how to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So God says, let's quit finding fault with other people and their complaining, and let's realize that we have just as big a problem a log in our eye, we got to get it out before we can see to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Complaining is a hard habit to break. We have to start with realizing it's wrong. It's sinful and confess it as something serious. God takes it very serious. I mentioned the children of Israel out in the wilderness. Do you know that that whole generation died in the wilderness and didn't get to go in the promised land until they were all dead? Because of lack of faith and because of their complaining, God killed them all in the wilderness. Is it a serious thing? Grumbling, complaining, criticizing. God says, admit it, it's serious. Then next, how do we get victory over complaining? Accept responsibility for your own life. You know, mostly complaining is an attempt by me and you to blame somebody else for the problems that we've created. Excuse ourselves by focusing on somebody else shift the focus to them and take it off ourselves makes us feel better we pass the buck the book of book of Proverbs in the Bible 19 and 3 says when a man's folly brings his way to ruin his heart rages against God so not only do we blame others for the problems we call but we blame God for the problems that we've caused. Adam sinned and uh, blamed his wife. Took it like a man, didn't he? Blamed his wife. <laughs> and that didn't work. And so he blamed God. He said, well, you gave this woman to me. You know, we reap what we sow in this life, the Bible says. We're all free to make choices But once we've made a choice, we're not free to determine the circumstances of those choices. It's like I've heard people complain about being in debt, never having any money, always being up against it. Could it be possible that we spent money on something that we didn't actually have to have? Could it be possible that we didn't save money to purchase the things that we did need? Maybe you feel like you're not appreciated at home, that those people just don't appreciate you. Well, have you been showing appreciation to those in your home? We reap what we sow. Uh, You... You get what you give. The Bible says if you want friends, you must show yourself friendly. You want appreciation, you show appreciation. I think basically there are three different kinds of people in the world. There's accusers, and then there's excusers, and then there's choosers. The accusers say it's your fault. You're the blame. The excusers say, well, it's not my fault. I mean, I just did what was natural, just the way I am. But the choosers are the successful people that determine the good circumstances by good actions. Another thing in how do we conquer complaining is to develop an attitude of gratitude. Be thankful for what you have. There used to be a, a talk show radio guy, uh, financial guy, Dave Ramsey on TV. People would call in, talk to him, and they'd say, how you doing, Dave? He, and he would say, better than I deserve. Now, I don't say that because he already stole that, but, but that, that's the way I feel. I've got it a whole lot better than I deserve. So God is saying, quit complaining. Work out your own salvation. Work in. God will use gratitude if you will be a grateful person. Instead of complaining about what you've lost, what about being grateful for what you still got left? It's like that, the old proverbial, the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. Are you complaining it's half gone? Or are, you com- are you grateful they still got some water to drink? The book of Romans talks about another principle uh, about trusting God by faith to work even the bad things in our life for our good. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God are called... uh, uh, I'm sorry, let me start reading that again. (laughs) We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now this verse says... We know something here. Uh, God's word tells us something. God has promised something. He's not gonna back out on it. He's gonna keep his word. We know that all things work together for good. Now, it doesn't say all things are good. There are bad things happen, they're not good. But God can use whatever happens for your good someday, some way in the long run. God is going to make that work for your good. Will you trust him? Will you be grateful for what you have? Work out your own salvation by your gratitude. You know, in America, we have so much, and most of us have no idea what the rest of the world is going through and how bad they've got it, and so we don't appreciate. We... We gripe about the bad in our marriage. We gripe about the bad on our job or in our business. Uh, We gripe about our spouse. We gripe about our kids. Uh, Our kids gripe about their parents. We we gripe about our boss. Why not start being grateful? You know, there's everybody. I don't care how bad a person is. Everybody's got something good about them. Find it and thank God for that good. So Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 is telling us to work out our own salvation. And he starts with, in verse 14, quit complaining. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, not that I am speaking of being in need. Now, Paul was in prison when he wrote this, had been in prison several, several years. And Paul says, I'm not talking to you about a need. Matter of fact, he says, I have learned in whatsoever situation I'm in to be content. He said, I had to learn this. It didn't come natural. I learned to be content. Why? Because God is in control. And someday, someday he will work that for my good. So look at at your situation, your circumstances. uh, Realizing that they're in God's hand. God's going to make it turn out right someday, somehow. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Mr. Trump would say 2 Corinthians. (laughs) In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 and 18... He puts it this way, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. These little bad circumstances and hardships and trials that we have is preparing us for God to give us things so great and so wonderful. You can't even imagine it. And I'm complaining. God's going to do all that for me. And I'm finding fault and complaining and feeling sorry for myself. You know, when we complain about our situation, seeing that all circumstances are in God's hands. I didn't say God caused the circumstance. I'm just saying there's, God hadn't lost control, folks. If we complain about what we're doing is we're questioning God's wisdom. Does God know what he's doing here? Does God know what a mess I'm in? Uh, when, we, when we complain... We're disputing God's care. Does God really care about me? Does he really love me? We're forgetting God's goodness. So we're focusing on what we don't have instead of focusing on God's blessings in our life. We need to quit focusing on what we don't have and start thanking God for what we got left. So how do we defeat complaining? Practice speaking positive. <laughs> Complaining's a habit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that you may give grace to those who hear you. God says, if you complain and tear down, you're going to tear down others around you, you're going to discourage others around you, instead of doing that, give up the corrupting talk. Now, the corrupting talk is complaining. It'll corrupt others. It'll tear others down, build others up. Encourage people, appreciate people, appreciate what God has done for you. In the book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, it puts it this way. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account of every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Quit gossiping. Quit complaining. Quit griping, God is saying. Now I want to give you one last thing here in the book of Philippians as we close this message. Look in verse number 16. Holding fast to the word of life. This is Philippians 2, 16. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul preached to these people at Philippi. They got saved. He left them to witness to others so that others would get saved. What's going to keep their witness from being effective? A negative attitude. Nobody's going to listen to you if you're a complainer, if you try to witness for Christ. And so he goes on in verse 17. Even if I am to uh, be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of faith, I am glad and rejoice uh, with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. The whole book of Philippians talks about how to have joy in your life, how you can rejoice in your life. And complaining will stop and kill all the joy in your life and the ones around you. So the last thing I want you to notice here in verse number 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without a blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Notice this, so that you can have a testimony for Christ that will count. That will be effective. That will impact. Quit complaining. So that your testimony, notice the last part of verse 15. You live in a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. A Christian with a good attitude will be like a bright, shining star on a dark night. That's the kind of witness you'll be, a bright star that will have an impact on those around you. But if you're a griper, a complainer, what's your witness? Nobody's going to listen. You're a part of the darkness. Well, you bow your heads with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. It's time now to do some business with God. Um, If you're here this morning, we started off by saying when you get saved, when you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, you trust the fact that he died for you, rose from the dead, you repent of your sins, you put your faith in him, As your Lord and Savior who gives you eternal life, he comes into your heart. He lives in you. And he will work in your life as you work out your salvation. But if you've never been saved, you need Christ in your life. You need his power. To give you the will to do God's will. To give you the desire to give, do God and the power to do God's will. You have to open your heart to him. If you're not safe, would you do that right now while we're in the attitude of prayer? Would you just pray and say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. In Jesus Christ, I open my heart to you Come into my life as my Lord, my boss, as my Savior. If you are saved, will you say, Lord, I uh, want help. Give me grace to have victory over complaining. Would you just determine by God's grace you're going to stop it? Tell God that, would you? As we close the service, in your bulletin, you have a connection card. If you've made a decision this morning... Would you put it on there? You may have trusted Christ as your Savior. Would you write Bruce a note? If you've made other decisions, would you write Bruce a note? You who are here visiting, please fill out that information and drop all those connection cards in the offering plate in just a minute. When it passes as we worship God um, with our offering, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Now, Lord, help us as we go out the doors this morning. Help us by your grace to do what you've taught us in your word. Use us as shining lights in the dark world to witness for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.